0: everybody, this is Keach Rainwater with Designated Drummer. Welcome to the podcast. I have a very special guest with me today. He has played with, oh my gosh, I can't even, he's a drummer. He's played with so many people. I can't even, Blake Shelton, Don Henley, Joe Bonamassa, Billy Gibbons, Bob Seger, Luke Bryan, Dixie Chicks. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. Greg Morrow, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Keach. I appreciate being here, man. Yeah, man, this is, you have just, I mean, you're one of those guys that, you know, when you talk about drummers, uh, it, it's your name will be thrown around a little bit, but you're really kind of under the radar. But you've played on so much stuff, but when someone says Greg Morrow, uh, you know, it's just like you're one of those behind the scenes guys, you it's, know. Yeah, it's like a dog looking at a hammer. <laughs> who, what? what, who, what, <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, I don't know if we you and I personally have met, I'm sure we've met through we the years. As a matter of fact, that we met, uh, the
1: first time we ever met
0: was at Ocean Way, okay. Uh, that's right n- you were playing with i remember that some it girl. was at oceanway and it was christy something and she was yeah remember so you that were dark shooting, hair you
1: were shooting video uh, christy fox was yeah
0: her name? I, I can't remember her name but she I, was, it
1: was that anyway
0: she was canadian indian or something yeah. or i mean she was like a,
1: crystal, sort of, uh crystal crystal the guitar player indian yeah
0: yes i remember <laughs> so, i can't remember her last name oh please forgive me crystal yeah but yes, I, that's who it was. Yeah, and yeah. my wife at the time, Alyssa Lansdale, who was with CMT Canada. Yeah. I was the cameraman for the day. <laughs> a lot of times we did that. I was the camera guy. Scott
1: Hendricks was cutting stuff. That's on right. And I
0: remember yeah. I remember seeing you out there playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's
1: what it was. That's where we met the first time. That's
0: right. Yeah. yeah. So we we have seen each other throughout the the history of, of since we've both been here. We both came to Nashville about the same time, ninety four ish.
1: I started commuting about then. Uh, I didn't I didn't hard move till ninety six. That's when right. I actually took up. Residence. i was one of those
0: lucky guys that i actually came to town like with a gig like <laughs> i was living in dallas and they called me up said we need a drummer for this band and i just had a band immediately yeah yeah and then we just happened to get a record deal and all that now you are uh let's talk a little about where you're from you're from memphis I'm right from memphis Memphis, yeah. memphis area
1: mm-hmm. i um yeah my, my my journey up here was it was uh a matter of necessity kind of in a weird kind of way um uh, I was a young dad, uh, uh, you know. My wife and I had had a daughter, and I had uh, I had toured throughout my twenties and 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 into that. And when when we had our daughter, I wanted to try to stay home and, and and you know kind of be a dad. And in Memphis, you can literally take everything that comes your way and still not make a living. <laughs> uh, and, and, and you know, it's a live that, studio. You know, there just wasn't any work there. I, it just yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it was to to have to have four gigs in a week. You had to be in four bands, basically, and wow. each band had a night they played someplace. So yeah. that's that's what I would do. And I had a studio down there. And I, I'd been involved in studios since my late teens yeah uh, so uh, recording was
0: always something I now in your late teens so what year would that have been i'm sorry if i'm gonna tell your uh, age no here. no no I, <laughs> i'm well, trying to get it
1: i i just turned 64 in june okay so this would have been uh, in like mid 60s uh, early no 70s? no i i started getting involved in studios in probably 77 78 oh, okay right. um uh and as far as like Actually, being a part of them right. and running it and and doing that kind of stuff, but anyway, to to point, um, it, it just it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't going to be able to stay home uh, and stay in Memphis, and I, and I I didn't want to leave Memphis. It was my home. Yeah, you know? but I got some opportunities uh, through Norbert Putnam and um, and through some friends that had moved here prior. To me, coming here, that were doing well, and they, you know, they had told me, um, you know, we really think you you could do okay here, but you can't do it from Memphis. You yeah. kind of have to be here. Be on call. You know, yeah, you have to be on call. So I started uh, renting a room in a friend of mine's house and got a phone line. This was pre-cell phones and yep. all that stuff. You get a phone line and, and, and an, an answering, answering
0: machine.
1: machine. Right. <laughs> and um and if i wasn't doing anything in memphis i'd come i'd come up just to kind of be around you know to to just to have any kind of presence and and uh i wound up uh one of the first kind of mainstream things i did up here was uh i was in i was in faith hill's first road band for her first touring band right a buddy of mine chad cromwell had had been doing some showcases with her and they were looking for someone you know to be in her touring band she was about to go out and open for reba and uh i got a call from scott Hendricks one day wanting to know if i would be willing to come up and and do an audition you know for for that band and i said yeah absolutely you know and i did and you know they were they took
0: me on board and hit the bus you know yeah and uh what was the audition like pretty quick yeah um was it all those other monster players or Uh,
1: well i don't know i never did see another drummer oh i see uh i think they had i think they had already kind of run through the list and were just trying to see if there was what else there might be yeah and i think chad probably said you know i you've done done this and but you should you know if if he'll come up you should check Greg out if, if you yeah. if he can come up and play. They're like you Vinnie Cayuta's busy this week, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just you know give him an ear anyway. And and I came up and we were at SR and uh, you know all the rest of the band was in place and yeah.
0: And I just you know came up. And, Her first road band and that would have been in the mid '90s though. Right? Yeah, when it was. Know, right? It when was probably
1: '94 or '5, maybe. Yeah, Their first album was just coming out. And I think we played Peace of My Heart and maybe one other thing and and they said, Oh okay, so can you know, can you start now? <laughs> and I'm like, Well sure, yeah. You You're know. like, Let
0: me check my schedule. Yes, I can. Well, and that was quick that was quick. But I still didn't, you know, live here.
1: Right. So whenever there was bus call, if I was in Memphis I had to leave in time to make bus call. Three calls. hour <laughs> drive. You know, yeah. And so, you know, that was
0: kinda one foot in the pond, so to speak, yeah. and um, uh, now at, at that time, where had you done a bunch of session work, or were you still kind of new? Well, to the I, session
1: I had done, yeah. I mean, I'd done a fair amount. I, I knew my way around it. I had been in bands that had record deals in Memphis, so I'd made records with those bands. You know, Absolutely. it was not unfamiliar turf, but it, but it it's a different ball game uh, when when you're coming in as. For lack of a better term a hired gun as a session player not but in other words not part of the band right i see it's 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 the team of players that you're coming in to to be a part of and 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 do this record it's it's a little bit different skill set you know psychologically you have to think differently yeah and uh so that was the first time that started happening for me up here was quite quite an experience because literally no one had a clue about anything about me yeah and you know i would walk in the room and i was not the guy they were expecting to see they were expecting to see you know eddie or paul or lonnie or yeah. or whomever you know that yeah. they had been working with for the past number of years you're talking about on a
0: session like yeah a given on, a, session. on a real right. yeah, well right.
1: no on a, on a a real you know record, record session yeah right you know so the the people that were willing to to take that chance i, I really you know, oh, a debt of gratitude, you know, Chuck Howard and Chris Farron specifically were the first yeah. two, and Norbert uh, were the first group of guys that really kind of put me in a room with, you know, John Hobbs and Dan Dougmore and Brent Rowan and Larry Franklin and, and whomever, yeah. you know, uh, the, the Dina Carter's first album was, was oh, wow. really the first mainstream thing I did here, and it had strawberry wine on it. Oh, I see, yeah. And it was like... You know, I walked into Emerald, they had no clue, who, wow. you know, who, and it, rightfully so, they would have no reason to know anything about me.
0: Yeah.
1: But fortunately for me, you know, the feel of that song was kind of right in my wheelhouse, you know, a big. That waltz thing. Yeah. Uh, three big, quarter. Big, however you want to count it, either six eight or 12 eight. Yeah. Right. However yeah. you choose yeah. however to you count to it. it up. But it was that big, <laughs> yeah. open, you big know, open waltz mildly thing, yeah. swung kind of thing. Yeah and and it was a huge record so, so much space in
0: between the notes and yeah, yeah what, exactly. i was doing a record one time and we and i kept doing that feel where you go boom like mm-hmm. with the kick snare kind of thing and they didn't like that yeah and i and i and as i listened to even songs from like the eagles and stuff like that that's got that boom in there mm-hmm. that kind of lets the rest of the band know that that's backbeat's fixing to come yeah but in nashville it's kind of like we don't like that yeah it, you those are the other things you learn to you learn to watch
1: faces, and if you if you kind of get that stink eye look, you know, yeah. oh okay, it's that. I know what that is. Yeah, I'll just I'll just <laughs> stink do away eye. With that thing. Right? We've all
0: gotten that. Oh, we? absolutely. That's the things yeah. that you learn that I'll never do that again. You know, kind of things
1: along the way. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so you know, fortunately, I, I was blessed to have a, you know, the the first thing that ever got released was was really big. Yeah, and Strawberry so. Wine. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. It, gi- it gives you a degree of credibility. Okay, well, he may be new to town, but he just played on this huge record. He's not going to blow up the date. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. He, he's not going to come in and not know what he's doing. Right. So it's okay. And that's, that's an
0: interesting term, blow up the date. That, yeah. That's I've heard that mentioned before. I've seen it happen. <laughs> yeah. Paul Lyme was talking about—I had him on the podcast. He was talking about one out in—his first big session in the early 70s when he blew up the date. He got out there, and it was only because he didn't know to fold the sheet out. He would end the song, and he, he was a good reader and a good player oh, great and all reader. that reader. amazing. And he was the drummer for this girl— I don't remember her name, but he was her drummer. And they said, she said, no, I want him playing. I mean, it was all good. He got out there and there was like all these monster people out in L.A. were coming out and mm-hmm. trucks were coming in and unload stuff. And he didn't know to fold the sheet out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was like they, the producer was like, let's get somebody in here. This guy can't do it. You know, yeah, it's very that's So short-sighted and just that's just hardball for, for no yeah. good reason. You yeah. Know? And that was his lesson. That yeah. was his hard-learned lesson is he didn't know to fold fold the music out, you know, yeah. fold it out. There's Uh-oh. another page or two there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm uh, playing
1: what was right in front of me. Oops. Oh, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, I was supposed to fold it out. Yeah. But, uh, some, but yeah, no everybody reason. has those, yeah, those times. Yeah, it is. It's just uncalled for to bust someone like that. It's yeah. Just, you know. But that, that guy, you know, that they just play hardball out there. You know, they do. Out there. Well, once
1: again, it, it could have been because – you know, he was in a chair that's normally somebody else's, and, and you know, he wasn't going to get a break. You yeah. know, they, they they the other guys who we're used to seeing, and so, yeah. you know, they're going to ride herd over him. And,
0: yeah, I always wondered when Dan Huff, when we first started, you know, when I was, we we're working with Dan Huff, and he would mention to me, he said, well, you're in the hot seat, so, and I kind of, it's the first time I'd heard it put that way before, <laughs> and I, now I know why, you know.
1: Well, yeah, because if they don't have you, they don't have anything to build on. right. You know, that that the drummers it's expected for us to get our parts really right and really quick because they need that extra time for everybody else to do and do and redo and redo and redo you know what I
0: mean? It's and for years and years, you couldn't punch drums. Now you can now, but yeah. but back then, well, it was tape, tough to
1: punch a whole kit. You yeah, could, yeah,
0: to punch the whole kit. You you were the one musician of the whole lot of them that had to now tell me if I'm wrong that you had to play your part perfectly one time all the way through. Now yeah. it may not have been the first take, but it been but at one point at you one had point, to play. They had to have
1: a take a complete a take, take. of just yeah, the drums, and it's, that, it's a lot too, of times we got the drums. So let's build on that. It's I mean. too dodgy to you know. Yeah, uh, the advent of you had mentioned clicks the advent of cutting with a click made that somewhat better yeah. because at that point if you did mess up you could actually just back up about three or four bars and start the song from that point and finish it and because it was cut to a click and in time the front half was going to match the back half tempo wise then you could
0: just join them absolutely you know and a good engineer would know looking at pro tools would know where those breaks are okay we're going to come in right here that's where i can cut in and there's no symbols going Mm -hmm. you know But, uh, yeah, you learn that. Now, one of the things I wanted to talk about was, you know, we're, since we're talking about click, is your thought on click versus no click. I mean, did, did people say that the feel has to be there. And you mentioned earlier something about the feels there with the, with the click, you just how you play it. Well, it, it is. You,
1: you, you, playing with a click does not necessarily constitute uh, robotic performance. You know, you're still—it's—it's it's just a point of reference, really. Yeah. And and you can still float around it within it, wh- whatever. Uh, you can still let the music have have air. Yeah. Um, I I don't mind it either way, as far as cutting to a click or cutting without. Mainly because I I generally write my own clicks. When I'm in, because in a I, drum machine I, I, or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I use an MPC 2000, and and I'll write it like a percussion part, where it, yeah. see it's like I'm playing with a percussionist, you know. But that's the click track. Yeah, right. you know. So it, at least it sounds like music rather and it's, than it's you know, quantized, it, right? Like you, cang, cang, yeah. cang, rather than right. that. You know, at least it sounds like a piece of music that you're playing to.
0: Yeah. And that, that makes it much more palatable to me. And sometimes producers will actually use that in the track oh, if it's absolutely. a cool loop I've or something. Heard,
1: I've, heard, I've heard my click tracks on <laughs> yeah. numerous records. Because they go ahead and okay. burn that to the track. Mm-hmm, and sure, then absolutely, it. yeah. Absolutely.
0: I know Paul Lime, uh, does that, did that and does that for a long... He, mm-hmm. It wasn't an NPC, but it was another piece of gear that he would use in a little cat pad. And he would always yeah. lay that, that first thing before any... He would look at the chart while everybody else is kind of getting coffee and stuff. And he would lay down mm-hmm. this little loop kind of thing and, mm-hmm. and play to that. And yeah. sometimes they'd use it. Same bag. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And so uh, it really is how you play around that, that click, you know, and how you how you yourself a drummer how you lay that groove down in the pocket yeah
1: it is it is you know aggressive stuff you're going to lean forward and yeah sensitive stuff you may lean a little further back and you know it's it's still you're still interpreting it yeah you know i the main thing is it's just don't you just really can't cop an absolutist attitude about either of them yeah you know of course you know so many great records have been done without clicks and without yeah. this that but yeah the you know you look at some of those session logs and there'll be thirty takes of something. Right. Yeah. Know? And
0: uh so you yeah. don't
1: really you're not really afforded that luxury a lot these days yeah. of, of just so,
0: playing it until it's the way it's And Nashville's going. known for get it done, get this album mm-hmm. finished in a week and yeah. we could start selling it, you know, next month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah
1: expediency is economy yeah
0: and that's what that's what you're in the hot seat for right they got you because you can yeah. nail it through and i'm paul line was saying one time that uh that you know a good drummer you got to keep that thing going i mean you can't you can't ask questions and stop and and let can i do that again you got to keep that that capital you're on top of it
1: yeah you really do you you're kind of in charge of pacing in in that regard yeah you know
0: to not wow. slow things down and, mm-hmm. and keep it moving and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things I wanted to compliment you about that—that uh, that I was talk about feel and talk about groove and stuff like that—was on wide open spaces. Oh yeah, and you played on that. Mm-hmm. Ever since I first heard that song and the drums on that, and that was in like uh, the mid '90s, wasn't it? '97.
1: No, it was the late '90s. It was probably it mm-hmm. was probably
0: eight '98 nine. or nine. Yeah. Yeah. When I first heard that, I. You know, it's almost like the rest of the band's kind of playing the straight feel, and when you come in, you, you, you're you swinging that thing, yeah, man. I mean, it's fun. almost yeah. like you're saying, you know, especially... Now, you you play through the first, uh, the intro and stuff, and then you stop, and then you come back in halfway through the sec the first verse mm-hmm. with this, and it has this crazy swing <laughs> to it, and it's almost like you, now tell me if I'm wrong, it's almost like you saying, come on, guys, let's swing this thing.
1: Well, I'm just saying, I'm putting it here. Y'all do what you want to do, yeah. really. I mean, there Did are you very... consciously do
0: that? Hmm? Did you consciously do that? Like, oh, let's yeah, swing this yeah, thing.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I just- I wasn't trying to necessarily encourage them to do it. I was just telling them what I was going to do. Yeah, and they could they could do whatever degree of it they chose to do. Yeah. And to me, that's what makes it good. That's what kind of makes it sound like a Stones record. Sure, is every yeah. pl- everybody playing a different degree? You know, some yeah. some playing it very strictly that, and some yeah. playing it very wide yeah. to that. But that's what makes that's what that makes happy it mess. real music, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I
0: read somewhere I was looking up on the internet you know what makes a good drummer this was a, this was a long time ago what makes a great drummer and one of the first things i said was the ability to swing and i thought well that just would depend on the song wouldn't it but then i thought well maybe not you know Maybe there are infinite degrees of yeah. that. That's that's
1: why computers don't swing very well. That's because right. Because they keep asking you how much percentage of swing. Exactly. It's like, well, I yeah. can't really. Tell they want you one that number because <laughs> this bar it may be this, and the next bar it may not be right. It may not be that. It's just all floating in my head somewhere, and it's an innate thing. Yeah, uh, I mean, everybody's talent. You know, all the people, all the players. You you know anybody that's a player has their own degree of innate ability yeah that it really isn't learned it's just cultivated it just happens over the course of the the number of years you do this it's the cumulative effect of all the things you've ever played in any circumstance it that's that's and that's what you can't really teach anybody yeah. you have to do you know you have to put yourself in a position to, to start doing that and building that library that 40-year library of things you've done and ways you've felt things and yeah and all of that and and, it, and and you don't really pull them up consciously they just float to the top yeah
0: you know and appear on their own something in the way that maybe the other place now you're one thing about a good studio drummer like yourself is the ability to listen I mean, you—that's that you such a huge part there. of it. Yeah, it's because that's first of all. That's the only way you ever interpret
1: the song, right? You know, you you have to get yourself in tune with that as a piece of work first of all. Yeah, to to know what you should be doing.
0: Yeah, to and know anyway. I'm going to lay out here and let the guitar kind of pick that up, and mm-hmm. let instead of trying to fight him with the hi hat or something. Yeah, yeah. and you're listening the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It, the, delivering a song is the bottom line of this and and for the longest time and it, it's a it's a it's a folly of youth so to speak or it was with me you know I kept trying to find places that were gonna if I do this it'll make me sound cool yeah. and it never really did right it, it just made people go why do you do that <laughs> right yeah <laughs> you know? And Paul Lyme
0: what he said was serve the song you've got to learn to serve the song yeah, he's and that's exactly what you're there
1: right for. he's exactly right yeah whatever the
0: song needs mm-hmm. be a songwriter's drummer you mm-hmm. know and then you'll People will embrace what you well, do. Well, it's your part
1: of songwriting. Right. I mean, what you're bringing to it is, for lack of a better description, you're, you're writing that little piece of it. Yeah. Okay, I'm writing the how it feels or, yeah. or whatever, you know. Uh, that's
0: your little contribution to it. Yeah. you know oh. when uh that dixie chick song the wide open space that first came out i thought it was lonnie wilson because i didn't know i didn't know you and i didn't i had not not yeah. known of you at that time but i knew lonnie wilson really well i thought that was lonnie wilson but he's doing from that. even further south than i am but uh because he's a he's a power hitter and on that at that record you were hitting pretty hard on it seemed it sounded like well on wide open you know <laughs> i
1: just hit uh i hit the drums to where they sound good to me yeah uh, because drums are like any, you can absolutely play drums too hard yeah you beat the sound out of them just like you beat the sound out of an acoustic guitar and it bends sharp all the time if yeah. you play it too hard or anything any instrument you just have to kind
0: of find your touch yeah on your instrument and you were doing like you were hitting the rim you were rim shotting that thing I, on yeah that record, pretty much rim shot
1: right. is is that's just how i learned to yeah. play uh, I don't know if that's the Al Jackson influence or what, but yeah, everything's a rim shot pretty much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, even, that, that, even even the fat snare drums still have rim. Yeah, involved you in still. It. But they sound just, better
0: that way somehow. Uh, just whatever. It's just kind of how I learned. You know. Yeah. Nowadays it seems like a lot of the snares are going to that big fat poofy, uh, transparent. Tsh, that yeah, where you may goosh. hear the bottom I snare. I call but, it gush. Yeah, gush.
1: and and i keep i keep drums tuned down 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 there too but i still hit the rim yeah how
0: many snares do you normally bring to a session these days probably a dozen yeah yeah but
1: they you know it's it's a matter of convenience because they're all kind of tuned to do their particular thing Mm -hmm. you know so if if, i'm not having to chase a tuning or or anything else if it needs to be oh it needs to be this sound okay it's that drum it's already set up so you that put would a
0: producer go. tell you that or was that just your interpretation of, of, uh, of what you the demo sounded I like. always do it first I always put up what I
1: think it should be and occasionally they'll say I like where that that's headed but could it be just a little bit lower in pitch yeah because they're hearing something in their and you won't necessarily tune it down. You'll just well, get so, another drum, right? Well, it depends. If it's, if it's just a little bit, then yeah, I'll back it down a little bit just to get it. Because they're talking a minuscule thing. It's, yeah. it's causing a rub somewhere tonally for them. Ah, gotcha. And so I'll, I'll adjust it for something like that. But, but if it's like, you know, i put up a gush drum and he says, oh, I was kind of hearing piccolo on
0: that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> boy, was I wrong. Wow. Yeah. You
1: know, and it can happen like that.
0: Yeah. So, um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you: uh, the things that go through your mind when you're playing on a typical session. I've always told people that there's three main things going on in your brain as a session drummer that I've noticed that I that I felt, and one is, you know, you gotta know what's on this chart you have to read the chart you have to know what's coming up you have to do all that stuff and the second thing is you have to play precise you know it, it can't be whooshy and kind of flaily and it, it has to be, be consistent consistent concise like it has to be like i meant to play that mm-hmm. and then the, there's that third thing <laughs> that you could easily forget is you got to be creative i mean you got it you can't just be a robot you know and play you have to place like that doing that like we talked about white element spaces you decided to swing that a little more that was a conscious decision so that was one of the third things that you had to th- have going on in your you, brain at the you time. don't need to fear it uh, you know you don't need to fear
1: bringing something to the table like that right. Yeah, because look the producer will tell you hey man i just want this meat and potatoes then okay you shall have meat and potatoes <laughs> Would you like that meat well done? Coming right up, you know. So and that's okay too, but but yeah, don't. Would don't, you like that meat well done? Don't <laughs> don't be afraid to, to to bring something. All they can say is, "I no thanks," or they off. can say, Back "Oh, oh man, that's brilliant." Yeah, you know, you can't. Don't be
0: afraid of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but those three things going on in your mind. Do you feel? I know that you don't know, consciously, and you got to play to that click. There's so many things going on in your brain at the same time. I always had my shortfall was always the chart because i was kind of new to the nashville number system mm-hmm. at the time when mm-hmm. i first came to nashville i was like what is this and it sure makes perfect sense, though, doesn't it? It does. It really does because everybody in the room, and for those who don't know what the Nashville number system is, it's a chart that's usually handwritten with pencil or pen or whatever. You make copies of it. It is a number. Whatever key the song is in, that's going to be the one. And it just uh, it, it's it's everybody in the the drummer, the bass player, the keyboard player, the singer. Everybody can look at that one chart and read it and know what to do. Yeah. You know, and the rest is kind of open.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's mainly song structure, right? Is what it's dictating, and if there if there's what we would call a gang lick that involves figure, everybody, they'll notate out. that they'll notate that above where it's supposed to happen.
0: Like if the whole band's gonna go da, da, do, 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 like yeah. that, mm-hmm. then
1: that'll be written out. That'll Everything be else right. is like it's all good, you know. Yeah, it's 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 a very cursory guide to what you're gonna play. Yeah, but yeah, it's good to know, not just okay, I'm looking at numbers, but kind of know what the numbers are. It's good to to be able to talk sense to the other guys, you know, the guitar players and p- keyboard players and all that stuff. So, you know, you're all kind of talking in the same terms, you know, kind of know what it means, you know. Yeah. Oh, the six minor, or blah, 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 blah. You know, know, know what you're talking about when you yeah. know those things. And, and for me, I spent a lot of time uh, when I came here, I kind of couch play guitar a little bit but yeah. but you know I'd take charts and and learn and and play them you know and get a feel for it so you know now when I'm looking at a chart you know not to brag but I can I, you know I can even say hey that's not really what that is that's a 3 over 5 sharp or right, whatever you know it's, it's not really what's on the paper oh yeah it's just, you know and yeah so I don't know whatever, but it's good to know what you're talking about, yeah, and so the mood the, there's
0: there could be a mood in a court that, yeah. that you may in the drums, you mm-hmm. may kind of have to inflect,
1: yeah, it's just good to be able to talk the same terms, everybody on the
0: floor talking the same terms about what yeah. what's going on is yeah. good, and that's another thing that I wanted to talk about a little bit the the language. Uh, there's a whole language of that I had to learn from the very beginning of studio musicians. They'll mention like a Batman or a yeah. football or a diamond and all this mm. stuff that it's everybody knows. Everybody <laughs> yeah. like of your caliber, you know what they're talking about. But yeah. if, if you brought a stranger in there that doesn't know anything about music, what are they yeah. talking about?
1: Yeah. Well, the meet and three, which is a end on beat three doom 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 you know that's your ending like that now batman is (laughs) yeah you know batman yeah it's batman so yeah there's all those little linguistic you know things that you just know you and you
0: you pick them up quick it's they're they're not it's not like they're hard or anything and, and you guys in nashville you session cats you've all played together on so many different things you've at any given session you've probably played with those same musicians on so many other things y'all have mentioned those things before and you know their language you know each guy and mm-hmm. that kind of thing yeah that is really cool everybody everybody has their own little like john willis <laughs> he's
1: he's a guitar a player contrarian on on purpose i love he, him to what, but he when he writes a chart he never notates anything verse chorus bridge he it's it's like one line Two lines, three lines, squiggly line. Oh yeah. those are his indicators as to what the sections are. It's like <laughs> so you have to once you've worked with John a few times, you know, okay, the one line is a verse, one line indicates a verse, two lines a chorus, you know, squiggly line's the bridge or the solo or the <laughs> Wow. <laughs> he, never, he has his own He never, yeah, he <laughs>
0: never labels them verse chorus or anything like that. It's funny. Wow. Now, uh, I had read somewhere or heard that you had gotten into mix as a mixing engineer, you'd gotten into engineering and well, you been a mixing just, engineer i something. would
1: never yeah. claim to be an engineer ever and 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 that really just uh, was spawned just from early years back in memphis just being involved in studios you know i i spent some time you know on that side of the glass and behind the engineering jingles and stuff like that yeah. and mixing you know i I mean for what it's worth yeah I may have a handful of mixed credits and stuff like that but I would never claim uh I can I can get stuff on tape yeah pretty pretty well but I would never claim to 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 be an engineer there's too too many great engineers most of which I stole everything I know from <laughs> but uh and these days man mixing especially with the advent of atmos and and all that stuff you're gonna be mixing 150 channels I, I don't even want to that's a lot of work I just you know I want to get the song the way I want to get the parts down what I want and I want to hand it to somebody and say hey make yeah. this sound good you know I, I I couldn't do it these days it's not it's not uh what about producing have you have you had a hand in producing I've, before I've done a handful of things yeah do you enjoy that um I, I really enjoy helping someone uh find their vision for for their song yeah i i think that's very fulfilling um you know helping them achieve what they're hoping to get out of this song yeah you know uh once again i don't claim to be a producer that Mm -hmm. so much of that happens on the studio floor anyway right on a session that's true you know the, the the band guys will just suggest hey can we cut this in half or should this be doubled or blah blah all of that is technically producing right yeah but but it's just what happens it's just a skill set you learn by doing it you know how, how to how to make the picture focus better yeah more concise and i've uh, always
0: noticed that that uh, there's a lot of input from uh session guys mm-hmm. just uh, even from like a fiddle player or a steel player something like that if they have an idea and the producers, a good producer will sit back and let that happen. Absolutely, they will, they will just they will cast a song and let those actors. Let's yeah, say, yeah, that's exactly be, why you hire
1: yeah. that team It's what they're going to bring to the table, you know. And then you're just kind of you're just kind of keeping the bigger picture in focus, you know, as they as all these snapshots start falling out. Yeah, you know, you're just focusing the camera, so to speak, yeah. as a producer. But uh, I, I do like i like that involvement yeah i really do not that i've done just a whole great lot of it but i have done some things i'm proud of
0: have you worked yeah. with dan huff before us uh dan huff producing oh yeah yeah he's mm-hmm. amazing i mean that I, it's it's you know when he was producing us just to sit back there and he's playing guitar He's producing from the guitar chair. So he's actually playing too. And then while he's pl- listening to nine other things happen. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then it, you, we would run through it one time and he would say, Hey, Keach, uh, that kick pattern you were playing, you played a little bit different on the verse, on the second verse, than you did the first verse. To keep the kick pattern straight. And I'm finding, like, How is he here? How does yeah. he? He's playing and hearing everything else yeah, and he, he remembers that. Yeah.
1: Well, he's that caliber of a musician. Yeah you know and his dad was an amazing uh orchestrator and scorer and yeah you know he he comes by it honest as they say yeah yeah that
0: was cool. he's really great mm-hmm. so i wanted to go back uh i think i read somewhere that you did you work at a music store a drum store in oh Memphis yeah, or something I sure and did, you yeah. of, did were you a drummer before that or did that oh, sort yeah, of get I, you into
1: drumming drumming has been god's constant for my life right i i i started playing drums when i was I don't know, four or five years old. Wow, and, you know, with those little paper and tin dime store drum sets. I had some of those. Beat the yeah, stuffings out of you them. They the lasted about two days. Yeah, <laughs> and I think I got my first actual wooden real drum set. Uh, I think I was maybe six or seven. Wow. And uh but it it's my only marketable skill, and, and I'm very grateful for it. If I didn't have it, if it, if I hadn't been blessed with it from birth, and I'd I'd I do really believe that. Um, uh, I don't know what I'd have been doing. You yeah. know, it, it's it's always seemed to be the obvious path right. for me. It's the been, easiest
0: thing to do, right? I mean, it's just the constant comes it's, to you
1: so easily. Just yeah, like that's how I feel. Yeah, it's it's the constant that's always been there, and there's always been a door opening one place or the other to 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 move it further. That's or, what God meant you to do. Yeah, and I, for you to I, do. yeah. I, yeah, I believe that. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, you know, I don't know that I've always honored that, but
0: I try to. Yeah. So you worked at a music store, a drum store or something. Yeah. Was it a well, there was, a, it
1: was a, a a really cool music store in Memphis called Strings and Things that started in the I don't know, probably the early seventies, and they opened a drum shop called the Drum Stand that was part of the store in. I guess probably the middle 70s, they opened that part of the store. And I was in high school then and and, uh, uh, wasn't really allowed to go there. (laughs) You know, it was was a very – it was a young people's store. Oh, okay. And, 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 uh, you know, it took a minute before I could actually – convince my mom it's okay you know that i'm not you know i'm not gonna be whatever yeah but uh anyway i i went down and made friends with the guy dave patrick was the fella's name and he's still you know one of my absolute best friends but and it was just a wacky place i mean yeah. just such a great music store and and you know wacky Kitt, how do you mean like the, the well just it there? was just not uh it was run by young people okay and it wasn't run by guys with you know pocket protectors in their shirt pockets and wearing ties and hippie you know, guys, yeah, cool guys pretty much musicians and, and it got that reputation on a national level so anybody that came to town when kiss would come to town to play lafayette's music room literally i mean before they were ever before they ever broke yeah you know i mean the maybe just as the first album was coming out and they you know they and were They not, wore the makeup then too and all that stuff oh yeah yeah they they would come in after the after store was closed so you know but in 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 full makeup in full makeup oh yeah yeah uh but this you know so it had a it had a reputation. Todd Rungren used to come in all the time. Any you know any wow. of the any of the bands that were coming to town. Uh, Dave tells a story about when Queen came to Memphis. They were opening for the Hoople. This was nineteen seventy four because okay. I was right at the show, and uh, Queen comes to town. Roger Taylor comes into the drum shop and sees this WFL snare drum that he wants to buy and ask how much it is and and dave said well i I've, i think i've got 75 bucks on it and he said man that's my per diem for the week I, I you know i i can't do it if i give you that 75 bucks i can't eat this is queen this yeah. is right when their uh-huh. second album's coming Jeez. out uh, you know so you're catching these guys literally as their as their star is yeah. rising so to speak you know they're still working things out yeah the second album was coming out so killer queen hadn't happened yet that was wow. their next album and yeah. that was the one that really you know that song yeah. was the first real radio success they had so you know it was third album wow. so but anyway it was just on and on like that but we did a lot of custom fabrication we built snare drums we we would get these shells from a company called eames up in massachusetts okay and uh and you could specify maple they whatever, were birch. You know, birch they were all birch but they were 15 ply they were very thick snare oh. drums and uh and we we would build these snare drums. and we did a couple for dennis elliott from foreigner so you had to
0: do the bearing edge and all that stuff on the snare uh, yeah. or 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 no, that we was were, that already cut
1: the bearing edge was cut but we'd have to put the snare beds in gotcha yeah and and uh do all the drilling for lugs and strainers and all that stuff so we would do that and custom paint them if they like dennis wanted his white so we had to to drill the lugs and everything you had to drill how did you have a template
0: that you went by or no
1: really well i mean i made a template oh i see i I literally got a piece of poster board and a compass you know and <laughs> did the math here. and that's a 14 out, inch okay, snare here, and four here's a 14 8 here's a 14 10 ah you know right. you got to do the pie slices too right but we did a couple for larry london with the, the we did his o sherry the drum he played on O'Sherry sherry really one of ours oh, yeah wow
0: i always loved that snare
1: yeah it was a four inch
0: eames wow that sure was and so you worked there from what what age were you when you started working at? The i started
1: working there when i was probably 17 i'm guessing and i worked there on and off until i just got traveling so much that i couldn't really work there anymore what was memphis like back in those days was it still hopping or was it has it had it kind of gone no it was it was it was doing well it was doing well lot uh, lots of bands from there were getting deals uh barquets were you know really rocking and and uh band called target and a band called creed you know a lot of deals popping out of there uh a lot of gigs you know yeah so, but it, it was
0: only in the uh, maybe 80s is when you said you just couldn't make a living there it was after
1: it was, actually i toured most of the 80s with a band called DeGarmo and key uh, as a contemporary christian band one of the kind of originators of that whole genre right okay. uh, uh, it was a really good band i really enjoyed it learned a lot yeah toured with them and then right in 1988 i left that band and and, uh and did a a 18 month kind of worldwide tour with with amy grant and when i came home from that was when my daughter was born and then was kind of making that decision of of what am i going to do how you know i'll try to make a living here you know so that would have been 90 to about 93 yeah when when i was in the wilderness so to speak yeah trying to figure out what to do trying before to i came out. here in between yeah.
0: the things yeah so yeah what was uh touring with amy grant like was that uh was that a big band she have a big band then yeah it's a big band wow
1: it was uh it was great it was great it was uh, at at the time it was by far the biggest thing
0: i'd ever done did you tour the whole world or, or was that just mostly yeah we did
1: we, we went to australia went to europe uh america did two, basically two American tours. You know, we did fall of 88 through the summer of 89. And uh, and and it was an album of hers called Lead Me On that, that Paul, you mentioned Paul Lyme. Yeah. You know, Paul did a lot of her records, most of her records. But that particular album, Lead Me On, was a real step up for her. Uh, she had just had a, a child, her first child, and so the the songs had a different perspective. Yeah, it was it was a a, a more organic, less pop yeah album than the one right before it. And a great sounding record. Songs were great. And and uh, I don't know how big it was as an album for her, but the tour was gigantic. It was all arenas and yeah. you know twenty thousand people a night and and really. Now, were
0: you playing? Uh, Here is a question I, I get a lot. Uh, were you playing like these parts, just like the record, or did you kind of give a little bit of your own thing to them live, like that?
1: Um, I think I think the the job was play the essence of it, but don't feel constricted. I see. Um, they never asked me particularly right. to, to take either approach. I I just felt incumbent. Okay. I know, you know, they've done this for a reason. Yeah. So, yeah, and they're Paul's parts. They're they're great parts. First of all, is yeah. you know, maybe I would have thought of the same thing had I been in the same chair. They felt right. very natural to me, right. I guess is my point. But I didn't feel like I just had to do every little nuance of it that way, right. you know. So, you know, live is a different thing. Yeah, they're, they're two radically different listening experiences when you're sitting down listening to a record and when you're in a live setting. And the, the energy is completely different. Totally, yeah, right. So, you know... It's and there's okay. the visual
0: aspect of it, too. Yeah, you know, you, yeah. you're you going to be playing... Uh, there's a bunch of musicians on stage that are putting on a show. So yeah, you've got to well, kind of do
1: something, you know. I've never been... Honestly, I've never i've never been i've never had much show in no no, no i just never have had that uh well f- quite frankly i've just never had that ability i i, I just i just play uh, you Yeah. Know, i'm not i'm not <laughs> you don't lift your arms up real high no put your cymbals no, up, you know, and no <laughs> i don't i just i just play and try to make it sound good yeah you know i mean i'm behind a drum kit i don't i don't feel the particular need to
0: to try to there's enough people to watch yeah. like I Travis Barker I mean. had admitted that he could just play simply if he wanted to but he wants to put he he purposely puts his toms flatter and he purposely puts the cymbals where they're harder to reach so that he looks like he's really reaching and playing and kind yeah, of puts I on more want of a show to make extra
1: work for myself yeah.
0: <laughs> right for,
1: for me it's an impediment right i see I, I, I don't want anything to stop me from Giving it the highest quality reading that I can. I see, yeah. Just for me, that's just me. You know,
0: everything just, is about the groove and yeah, about the song yeah. and about the the. Like I said, there's
1: enough. There are enough people to watch. Enough people. There's plenty going on. You're like nothing yeah, to see here. I, I'm perfectly <laughs> fine. Just kind of nailing this down and let and making them comfortable enough to do what they want to do. That's yeah. all. That's that's. There's that's not sliding any anybody that sees it the other way i I totally get it you know but that's just me that's just my it's just my nature i'm not a very flamboyant person and i've never been one to try
0: to draw attention to myself yeah now one thing i wanted to talk about i talked about one of my earlier podcasts about groove and pocket and this kind of thing and i wanted to get your your comments on it is um one of the things that i have you know researched and i've i tend to agree with is that the a groove is by almost by definition is a feel as a rhythm and i feel the rhythm that makes the band feel good that makes them feel like in their gut that they belong there you know you're creating a a, a groove for them to fit into yeah. and to make them feel comfortable and feel like playing with it yeah and, uh, that, I, it, that's a great definition. That, yeah absolutely yeah you enjoy that part of being a session drummer is well getting that pocket session or live or anything
1: that that is what i perceive my job to be is yeah to be foundationally sound and supportive you know yeah and there's some drummers I've that got to
0: build it on something yeah i've heard some comments that our guitar player michael would say that he went and saw a show like steely dan or something like that and the drummer was constantly playing sort of on top of everything, like too much on top, to where it didn't feel right, you know. He said it just felt like he was sort of rushing the whole time. And in a way, I almost feel like the drummer needs to kind of almost lay back a little bit to make everybody feel relaxed. Really what it is is you have to communicate with everybody you're playing
1: with and come to terms on where that is. Right. You all have to kind of agree that this is where it is. Yeah. And and once again, that's that innate thing we talked about if someone if someone's playing on that's just where they feel it yeah it's just where they you know in their mind it may be well this makes it feel more energetic or whatever right you know to lean it forward like that i i don't know it, but that that's that innate you know intangible you don't really learn it it just is and it yeah. appears
0: it appears when you play and, and it you know, could be such a subtle thing, but makes such a big impact on does. the groove and the yeah, feeling. It could it be does. just the tiniest fraction of a second, mm-hmm. you know, or a millisecond that just doesn't feel right, or it does feel right, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and people people debate that <laughs> to great ends. Yeah. It's like, you know, uh, I know, I, know I, I, re- I think I remember we were talking about Dan, I think in, in, the <clears throat> in his... Uh, in his kind of uh, dissecting the Def Leppard records back in the day, <laughs> right. he, he would say that the guitars are always right on the top edge of, of where the drums are, right? And, and, and that made it feel a certain way to his ear. you know. So that he, he kind of got it down to, okay, this is what I'm hearing. I'm identifying it as this. And, in placement, they're, they're putting themselves just on that front edge of the drums, And so, you know, which made the
0: drums feel a little more kind of back in the pocket, you know, fat side, yeah, yeah. So, who knows? Yeah, those those records did well. So, oh, maybe there's something to that, that, you know. Mutt Lang, man. Yeah. Have you ever worked with Mutt before on anything? No, I never have. Mm -hmm. God, what a guy! What a what an amazing uh, career and history and and
1: you know what he he he's one of those guys that was smart enough to realize I don't have to tell ACDC how to play their records. Right. I just have to capture it. Right. And maybe with Depp Lefford, they, they, they need me to, uh, cultivate this, these songs with them, yeah. you know, and contribute more to the actual construction of it all. Yeah. You know, he, he's run that, that full gamut, I guess is what I'm trying to say of, really all i got to do is capture this because it is what it is and yeah. what it is is great and and but over here it needs more hands-on you know that's that's a skill set you yeah, know really to, is. to know the difference between the two I'd, I'd be interested to know like foreigner four he did that record and that's kind of in between the two of them sure is yeah you know what i mean it's it's a little bit of the acdc let it be but it's also
0: it's got a little touch of the deaf leopard too so i'd be interested to know definitely a a huge i want to say sea change but i mean a huge perception of sound different from the other earlier foreigner records yeah yeah his touch his uh where the snares in your face and you know everything is just so yeah it was
1: mighty yeah
0: yeah big because almost like he knew uh what something people wanted to hear on the radio like people are going to listen to these songs in their car and on they're going to crank it up you know and what's going to make them crank it up you know i'll bring that snare up and make that bass just nice and growly yeah
1: yeah he he certainly had a had a feel for all of that you know you can't argue with any of it, really. Yeah. So what's what's new for you? Anything coming up? Any cool sessions? Or um, You know, I don't know. Oh, I'm going to be a granddad. That's going to you know, be new. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, I've a little granddaughter coming in February. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, I'm excited about that. I'm home most of the fall. I, I'm doing a lot of work at the house, uh, recording at the house, which is fun. Oh, you have your own studio in there. Okay. Yeah, I do. People well, send you... It's just a work room. Yeah. You know, it's a drum room. Everybody seems to like the sounds. So they send well. you a
0: song with a click and something. They'll,
1: they can send me. They can send me it in any form. <laughs> yeah, it can be a phone work tape, and I can, you know, I can uh, set it up in a session and give em, give them something back to build on, or That's however cool. they want to do it. Yeah, it's it's it runs the gamut from from they're sending me fu- you know fully fleshed out with the exception of the drums to here's here's me mo- i don't really have lyrics so i'm just humming oh yeah all right. all <laughs> right. and here's the guitar part and you know you you just have to that once again that's that's part of interpretation you you kind of have to
0: uh you have to think like a producer in a way well you, know, you just have to think songwriter.
1: yeah you have to think about okay this is where this is headed and and uh you know we were talking about uh in in session world, you know, when you're in there and you're listening to uh, what you're fixing to cut in whatever form it is, a fully fleshed out demo or just an acoustic guitar vocal work tape. For me, as I'm hearing it that first time, it's almost like a movie reel starts playing and and things become self-apparent. I I mean, I almost know by the end of that first listen exactly what I'm going to do.
0: Is it a lyrical thing? Do you listen to the it's, lyrics and think like, "What's the song
1: about?" It's all of it. I, yeah. I can't really explain it, but it but it appears to me that way. Yeah. You know, when it starts playing, thing the, the my the things in my head start triggering. Oh, okay, this this this. It's going to be four thing, on the floor, or whatever, it's going to be whatever it is. You know, yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is, and but that I think that's a byproduct of once again just. Having been in in the position over the past however yeah. many years, whether it be in a club, you know, in club dates, it's 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 just like when someone says, "Hey, we're gonna just follow me on this." It's 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 this feel, it's this tempo, yeah. and they count it off, and you just you have to just intuitively put you know read the thing as you're doing it the first time. That's where listening really yeah, comes into yeah. handy. You know, it's like, the same thing. It's the same. Uh, ability, you know,
0: Wow, when they appear like that. Um, I've done some things like that where at the house where someone would need a song. So I usually give them, I don't know if you're the same, but I'll give them two takes, two separate takes of whatever I do, make them kind of the same. And I usually give them one third take that's just like off the wall completely. Okay, this is me just like going crazy. I never they give may them that use tape. Some, do what? I never give them that tape because they
1: always pick the wrong stuff. <laughs>
0: Okay, I see what you're saying. I don't want to give them. You don't I don't want to give them
1: the option of picking the the wrong, the thing. wacky one. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Uh, generally, what I do is I don't send them anything until I I feel like okay, I've got a performance here. I've got something that I really think works. And then what I'll do is I'll I'll email them that reference track, just one track, just one take, just, just yeah, one, one. Yeah, of yeah. what I think the thing should be, and uh, and just wait for them to say okay, oh that's yeah great read send it on whatever yeah. or can you go to stick on the second verse or you know give yeah. them the chance to inject you know yeah
0: their tailoring so to speak so you'd leave the session up or whatever until you hear oh, back yeah. from them and yeah, then just yeah. kind of like mm-hmm. do another yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's that's kind of the way i do it do you write a chart for it or do you uh, just go by uh, sometimes
1: yeah sometimes there are some things by the time I get the session up and I've heard it about two or three times, I know it. So I just sit. You don't and even play have to it. look anymore. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, most of the time I will write a chart because it helps me learn it. If yeah. I'm if I'm listening to it and writing it down, by the time I've got it written down, I don't have to look at the chart I just wrote. Because you you remember the yeah. chart in your head. Yeah, yeah. I, I've done that before. You yeah. visually
0: remember the chart as you're yeah. playing it. it you're seeing. It
1: helps me learn it. Yeah. To, to, to write it like that.
0: Do you teach much? Do you do any teaching?
1: Oh, uh, the only teaching I've ever really done was just buddies of mine that did teach in Memphis couldn't make a lesson one time, and they'd ask me to come, hey, can you come sit with this guy and go over his stuff with him? And yeah. I don't know that I have that skill set. I, I
0: Or patience. Well, <laughs> For, I, I, think I, have,
1: I think I have patience, but i'd ra- i'd rather just i'd rather talk and play records and yeah look you can play you know you're a drummer you can pl- you you already can play i don't know that i can show you anything on a kit that's going to necessarily yeah. make you a better player but we can talk about some things talk about I what can, they need to practice on maybe or something you like some that some examples of things that i thought you know that molded kind of me stylistically uh, um, because i I don't know that i'm a very technical player so to speak um i don't know teaching has it's always been it's not something i've ever felt i had a skill set for yeah really honestly i've never really done
0: uh, clinics or anything like that because
1: like i said everybody in the room can play
0: you already can play
1: yeah you know you can why so here's I, a question. Are you
0: gonna teach your grandson or granddaughter, whoever <laughs> how to play how to play drums? You know, I'll show her the money beat. <laughs> boom,
1: bop, yeah. boom, boom, bop, boom, boom, pop, boom, You can play any
0: song with that. <laughs> you know, just do that. You can yeah. start there and then figure out what you need from there. Show I heard them. you play recently, I was looking you up on uh, YouTube and I heard you playing it was something in Memphis and you started playing Superstition, that that, that groove. And it was like spot on, man. Oh it, was like, it was like it's like, and it was a guy that was sitting next to you at the kit. And you said, "Well, there's always, you know, when you you started playing that, you know, that recognizable." Oh, that thing. was it?
1: Uh, was it that? Uh, the Memphis Drum Shop thing? I think so, yeah yeah, been, yeah. yeah, yeah, oh, that was so And I mean,
0: I was watching your hands playing, and I was just like, wow, that's like exactly it. Like, And that was Stevie Wonder that played that stuff. Oh, yeah, I know,
1: yeah. I know it was Stevie Wonder. <laughs> yeah, that was, I was scared to death that day. Oh, really? Well, it's just, you know, that's your peer group, that's your hometown. Oh, right. Yeah. That's, you know, you just don't want to embarrass yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah. but that, that was such a pleasure to watch you Watch you play that, and I was just like, "Dude, man, he's right on that." Oh, well, I mean, that's exactly you. it. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. It's just in there. Everybody's <laughs> got to know kind of, yeah, that beat. Anyway, you know, it's a great. And one. if you ever noticed that song the original recording of superstition it's like starts out with that beat and by the end of the song i remember i had it in my car one it time and somehow i had it on repeat one it song speeds way up it speeds way up and then at the end of the song it's like and it sort of fades out and then yeah. it started over again it was like <laughs> yeah i was like what is this song yeah well honky tonk women's the same it's way. same way yeah. yeah but here's the funny part nobody ever ever not one time said no one ever that song's no good. It speeds up, or yeah, that's not a good. Ever, it's terrible.
1: No. Well, that's like would you so, you know, in in the in the day of every vocal being per- perfectly in tune, would you have tuned Ray Charles? Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no. Mean, or Otis Redding. Yeah. Or any you know, or Elvis. Yeah. You know, I you mean, had to on. have that natural talent. Yeah. You know, back yeah. then,
0: it was easy to discern between who's the real deal and who isn't. Yeah. You know it was. You know the bottom line in all of this is it's it's all subjective,
1: it's all a matter of personal taste. None of it's wrong. Yeah, you like what you like. It's all it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. There is no best. There is no yeah. worst. You know. There just it, is it, what it's, it's what there all is. relative, and and so you know respect respect anybody that that's that's able to get out here and do what you have to do to to have a career in this business. Yeah because you are a lone wolf Mm -hmm. I mean really you know in in what I do I am I am on my own mister yeah and 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 you know that's nobody can be Greg Morrow well no I'm just I'm not saying that I'm just saying I have I have no one to rely on but me yeah for being marketable and
0: hireable and you know, and, and, and usable in a, in a, in a situation. So what, what years would you say was your busiest? Was it like the early 2000s or something like that? It was that so much stuff going on.
1: Yeah, here. it was, it was probably, well, I would say from 90, I kind of hit the ground running here in 96. Yeah. I mean, one, once I actually was here in 96, it was like, it was a mad dash. Yeah. And it stayed that way probably for, oh, till probably for a good 15 years of, of that level of, yeah. of, of you know, and, and maybe as much as 20, maybe as, as far out as 2016. Wow. You know, and then I, once my daughter got out of college, or actually once she got out of high school, yeah, I, I started traveling some more. I could travel again and and enjoyed it. And traveled with Trisha Yearwood and and Amy and whomever you know. Yeah, uh, I did that to, a tour with Bob Seger and, and wow, some incredible. Joe Bonamassa and all that. But and it, and it, you know that's you know this because you've done both. It's such a, a radically different energy energy, and that and that immediate feedback from your audience. Yeah, you there's no other place in the world you get that there's no other uh format that you no could other job be in. No. you could have that you can get well i mean you could be a sports guy or whatever but yeah. i'm just saying from a musical standpoint uh, you know having that having that immediate communication with the listening audience is is it's an energy that instant gratification yeah right? it yeah. is it is it's great
0: yeah I know I'll leave, I'll leave our audience with another thing. I've not said this before on my podcast, but I wanted to get your feeling on it. Um, they say that amateurs work to get it right and pros work to never get it wrong. <laughs> would you say that would you, would you say that, that is true? A fair yeah. I think that's a fair like assessment.
1: I think that's a fair assessment. Like you hear Steve yeah. Gadd
0: play. You don't hear him mess up. It's it just that well, he does, but he covers it so well that it's like he was intentional. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you get to that point and i feel like you're at that point you know you've well, been doing it so long uh, you're very gracious i appreciate that I,
1: I, yeah you know the old joke is once is a mistake twice is a
0: part <laughs> that's i've know. heard that before <laughs> <laughs> that's right
1: but you know it does it that you know once it happens that's past history you yeah. know you can't fret about it or beat yourself up you just, just you kind know, of keep on going no one's going to remember yeah no one's going to know
0: if oh, they do, that's their problem. It's been so great talking to you, and thanks for coming to sit in front of me and talk to me. And man, I, I'm I'm take time honored, out of your day. Honored
1: to be here, I'm thrilled thrilled
0: to do it with yeah, you. Yeah, we got to teach these young people. We got to get these people up and uh, to learn yeah. what we learned the hard way, right?
1: Well, they just the once again, it's like we were talking off mic early. This is you learn by doing. You 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 really can't necessarily go to school and get. You can get some rudimentary things that you need, but that doesn't teach you how to get along in a group of guys or a right. group of girls or a group of players. I guess you you know, when I say guys I mean in the general sense. Yeah, right. I don't mean all males. Cats, yeah. Yeah, in in your working environment and, and getting getting along on the floor and, and uh getting along on the bus and but you 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 have to put yourself in the game. Yeah. You have to get in the game and that just means playing clubs pl- playing with whomever you can wherever you can right if
0: that's what you want to just do. get the experience you're, whether it's good bad not, whatever you just got to get it yeah
1: you're you're not necessarily odds are you're not going to just walk into a situation that's the bee's knees and and you're off and running you know yeah and you shouldn't let that discourage you well you're not going to know what to do if you do that because you don't you don't have a you don't have that um History uh, in your brain of you don't have you don't have the you don't have the, fa- you don't have the foundational aspects of it yeah. necessarily. It's just like uh, a young artist gets a record deal that you know maybe played clubs for three months and gets out and they're you know third on the bill on an arena tour and all of a sudden they don't know they don't know how to interact with twenty thousand people because yeah. they never knew how to interact with a hundred. Yeah. You know,
0: or they don't know how to properly do a sound check. You know, to or, where, or anything. You know, they don't have any need. of
1: the basic skill set because uh, they've never cultivated that. They never, mm-hmm. they haven't put themselves in that. You just got to learn by doing. Yeah, I guess that's the short answer. You got to put yourself out there to do it.
0: So, very wise uh, words from Greg Morrow here. Not all I got. <laughs> well, thanks again for coming down, and uh, we will see you next time see you out on the road any old time
1: man you give me a holler if you need anything from me I'm I'm around I appreciate
0: it thanks for for having me All right. this has been Designated Drummer with Greg Morrow and Keith Rainwater we'll see you next time